Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Word, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke, Luke chapter 18. Last week in the message, we were talking about the aspect of not being anxious and do not be anxious about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. And we were talking about why we don't have to be anxious and we were talking about what God can do. And in that process, I I mentioned this widow, this biblical parable of a widow whose persistence was amazing. Now, depending on your translation, when you look, we're going to be in the first few verses of chapter 18. And some people will call this either the parable of the persistent widow or they'll call it the parable of the unjust judge, depending on which one, or the unrighteous judge. And you say, well, why would you call it one or the other? Because what's really cool is, depending on what they're doing, they're trying to tell you which part of the parable, what character they're focusing on. Well, today, I'm going to give you both. Today, we're going to talk about the widow. We're also going to talk about the judge. We're going to talk about the unrighteous judge. And we're going to talk about the whole thing. And we're going to answer one simple question. Why is 21 days of prayer so important? Like, I need you to make sure you understand something. Whether you're joining us online, and I know you don't have a Pray First card, but you can put it in the comments, and we'll be writing those things down, and we'll fill out a card for you. But I want you to know that what we do with 21 days of prayer is not a program. It's not something like, oh, wow, this this is just kind of a cool, it's the right thing to do. Like, I don't know how we can go into this next year without praying first. And the only reason why we didn't start it last week is because we figured with Sunday falling on the 2nd that there'd be a lot of people that were traveling or still coming around from the holidays, and so we wanted to give you plenty of time. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the schedule for the next 21 days for all those that that can participate, but today I just want to give you the why. And I want to use a parable that Jesus taught to his disciples to give you the easiest way I can explain to you why we're going to do 21 days of prayer. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it. Chapter 18 of Luke, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, I want to pause before even getting to the parable because he's telling you why he's telling you the parable. He was talking to the disciples, and he says, you know what, I, I want to tell you this parable so that you'll know how to constantly pray. He is actually if you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul references this commandment that Jesus is talking about when he says, pray without ceasing. But what really got me intrigued is that Jesus in his teaching was always addressing main issues that were in his disciples' lives. And what was the issue he was trying to address? That if you're not careful, even though you may be trying to pray on a regular basis, it's natural to lose I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I've been praying for something, and one day turned into two days, turned into one week, turned into two weeks, turned into a month, turned into two months, turned into a year, and I start, Lord, are you listening? God, I I feel like my words aren't leaving the ceiling. And the reason being is because if we're not careful, if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down, if we're not careful, we're praying based on some sort of circumstance that we want rather than praying on the fact that God controls all circumstances. See, what what Jesus is fixing to tell them is a parable 
to let them understand that you need to pray constantly without losing heart. Why? Because losing heart is natural. If you're breathing, you're going to lose heart in your prayer life. Because not everything, he's not a celestial genie. It's not like, oh, Jesus, please, hey, look at this, I got it. Because trust me, if that's the way it worked, nobody would have a struggle praying. But why do you struggle praying? Because you don't always get the things that you want. And when you don't get the things that you want, you learned at a very early age, at about five, that it's disheartening, and you pout, and you stop. You say, are you telling me that I'm pouting and disheartened? No, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. But if you think I'm talking about you, Evidently, you must be a little bit like me. But here's what I wrote. What would it look like if circumstances changing is not why we keep praying, but we keep praying knowing that God at any time can change the circumstance? Like, what if we prayed not with the end in mind, but with the process and the journey and the refinement that happens while we're in the process of praying? See, here's what's really crazy. When I look into my prayer life and I think about the times I've been in God's word the most and I'm praying the most, even towards the end of those answers, I look back and I realize that it never was about the answers I was praying for. It was about the journey that God had me on, refining me and making me better in his journey. So that's what he's referring to. He's telling his disciples, and I'm going to read it again. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he said, listen, this is so good, one of my favorite parables. In a certain city there was a judge that neither feared God nor respected man. Now that sounds terrible. But what he's talking about is the fact that there was a judge that it didn't matter whether you was rich, poor, wealthy, well-known, nobody knew you. He, He treated everybody the same. You came to his court, and he just, this is what you did, okay? But he didn't fear God. And then listen to what's going on. Verse 3, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversaries. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now, I want to preface this before I get to the aha moment. But the reason why in this parable he uses a widow is you have to know that in this time, a lady, a widow, would have been looked at as the lowly. Usually they were something of, of low standard, not really taken care of. That's the reason why so many times you hear about pure and unadulterate religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. If you were to look back in other times, he accuses the Pharisees and the scribes as being these broods of viper who devour the widows. See, they're, they're looked at as the most vulnerable. They wouldn't be somebody that you spent a lot of time with because to minister to the widows was a total give-type ministry. You didn't minister to widows because you're going to get something in return. You minister to the widows because they're worth ministering to, and it wasn't because of social status. That's the reason why Jesus, when he talks about giving, he talks about the widow and her might and how she gave everything, and she was the greatest. It was because of her status. So Jesus, in this parable, uses a widow to let you know that no matter where you're at, this isn't about being a hierarchy. It's about being persistent. This isn't about being wealthy or well-known or your social status, that God's righteousness is good for everybody. So here's what this widow does. 
This widow comes to the judge, probably would go to either his, his chamber or to his house, wherever she could find him, and would, judge, it's me again, and I'm demanding justice, and would literally harass him. In fact, if you remember what I just read, it says uh, that the widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice, listen to this, so that she will not beat me down by her continually bothering me. You know, in the New Living Translation, that aspect of, of bothering her or bothering him is actually translated, she's driving me crazy. Now, I want to chase a real quick rabbit. I don't want you to think that today's message is that we can drive God crazy enough by petitioning him in prayer that he does what we want. That's not what I'm saying today. But what I am saying is that there can be a persistence in us when we realize that, that God is able and that God can do all things, that we can go to him and not lose heart and we can continually pursue him and we can pray to him and we can petition him and we don't have to stop even though the circumstances around us looks like we're not getting what's ours. And listen to what the parable has Jesus is teaching them. Picking up in verse six. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, if you remember, and you can go back to the podcast and listen to it. In Matthew chapter 7, God does this amazing thing talking about anxiety. He talks about the, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And he's like, if I would do that for them, how much more will I not do it for my children? And that same sort of concept is what's being taught Jesus in this parable, teaching his disciples, saying, look, if the unrighteous judge, because of a lady's persistence, will listen to her and give her justice, how much more would God not to do? And then he uses this word, elect. Now, I have to address this word. I promise you that if using the word elect, if 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 people would have truly understood, especially the Apostle Paul in his New Testament, would have understood the way that we would take that word elect and twist it around to make it to be something that it's not, he would have chosen a different word. But a great way to put it is that he's chosen. And that's not chosen like, I'm going to choose some and not choose others. Because Scripture is very clear that God loved the whole world, that all should have a relationship with him, that none should perish. But the reality is, is there's some that accept it and some that don't. There's some that accept that Jesus has called me and I'm going to accept this. And they're looked at as the chosen. But there's some that, that God is calling, but they refuse. It's not that God doesn't want them to have eternal life. The reality is, is everybody has eternal life. It just depends on what stage you stay, whether it be in heaven or in hell. But everybody has the same grace that God has given every single person through his cross. It's just some choose to accept it while most choose to reject it. And the word that is used here as far as elect are the ones that have accepted this aspect and they've been set apart. They've been chosen. And what he's saying is, listen, if the unrighteous judge would be gracious 
to a widow because of her persistence, how much more would God your Father reward your faithfulness? See, here's the reason why we do 21 days of prayer. Because it may be the moment that God answers. Like, here's what's so crazy about this life. You know, right now on social media, the, the, the huge trend right now is the 10-year the challenge. You know, and everybody's putting up their pictures. You know, and, it, and, it's, and it's funny. It's, it's like, here I was 10 years ago, and here I am now. And it's like, like you want to say this very lovingly, but you're like, nobody cares. Like, here's a 10-year challenge. Folk, write down all the things that you've went through over the last 10 years compared to where you are now. That'll give you a real picture like, I look at these pictures, I look at somebody before they had some experiences in their life, and I look at them now, they've went through a lot of experiences in their life. You know, I have a lot more wrinkles and gray hair, and it's like, oh, I've gained a little bit of weight. It's called being human. But the reality of it is life happens a lot in a moment. And what's amazing to me is when you think back in your life, how many days did you have that you had no idea that day was coming? Some days were great days. You're like, wow, I've been praying for something for so long. And I don't pray because of something that I'm wanting. I'm praying because I know that he's able. And wow, I had no idea that on that day, it was all going to happen. We also have tragedy hit, don't we? Sometimes we wake up and had no idea that when the phone rang and we answered it, that we were going to realize that somebody had passed or somebody was in a wreck or, or there's another knock on the door and there's an officer staying. Like some days we're like, wow, I just, I got gut punched. Life is fragile, but God never relinquishes his authority. And so when we start thinking about 2022 and all the things that we want God to do in our lives in 2022, the first thing that I think about is, you know what? We better learn, like this widow in this parable that Jesus teaches, is we better learn to be persistent. This week, I had a text that I received that I thought, this is really good. Like, I'm actually going to develop a sermon series based on this thought. And it was simply this. I look forward to being able to look back. Like, can I just tell you, I'm not going to get too much into it because I'll make myself sound like a fool. But like with all this stuff going on with sickness and COVID and struggles and watching you struggle and me struggle and family struggling, like I look so forward to looking back. Like I can't wait till the day that we say, you remember when? But the question is, what do you do when you're not in the remember when? You're in the oh goodness, it's now. Let me tell you what you do. You don't stop knocking. You don't stop going and petitioning the righteous judge. See, in this parable, he talks about an unrighteous judge, and then he talks about God himself saying, you know what? If the unrighteous judge listens and has grace and answers this woman, how much more would a righteous judge answer and hear you? I don't have time to dive into every single scripture that's in God's word that talks about seek and you'll find, knock and he'll answer. The aspect of praying without ceasing and, and petitioning God and that he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's not, ooh, buddy, I want a Cadillac. It's God has a very, very real concept of where your life is and wants something more for you than you want for yourself. But most people don't have it. You know why? 
because they stopped knocking. They went to a judge and they got told no one too many times and they stopped. Rather than saying, I'm not going to stop until I know I've been heard. Galatians is where we're going to end up being as we do scripture reading over 21 days of prayer. There's a reading guide that you'll be able to get and I've got it lined up and we'll have it online for those that have us online, it's already there. They're going to be reading through this amazing book that Paul wrote to a particular church But there's one concept in Galatians that I think ties into this aspect of the persistent widow that helps us to understand what it is and why we do 21 days of prayer. And and it's a verse that that means a lot to one of my own children, but I want to read it for you. It's Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, and it starts in verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give See, I, I think the concept, and Paul so rightly in his church was constantly teaching some of the same teachings of Christ. And not only is there's this concept of, of not stopping, not keep going, like, like pray without stopping continually and not losing heart, but there's also an aspect of saying, and don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't get tired of doing what's good. Have you ever hit a point where you were doing the right thing and you did it so much that you finally stopped because you said nobody noticed? Have you ever been kind to somebody and you got to the point where you were being kind to them so much and they always repaid with some sort of frustration or not, not receiving that kindness? Like something was happening, it may be a family member, it, it, it may be a friend, it may be a coworker, and you just got to the point where you're like, you know what, I, I've been trying to do the right thing and that doesn't seem to work. And so you know what, I'm just, I'm just not gonna do it anymore. Like, if they're, they're not even going to take the, like, just forget it. You know what Scripture says? Just like he says, don't stop praying. You know what he said? Don't stop doing good. Like, as long as it depends on you, keep doing the right thing. One of my phrases I say at the, at the regular basis is right now is always the right time to do the right thing. And as we go into 21 days of prayer and we start talking about a commitment and we start talking about praying, we start talking about doing some things around the house, around the work, around the community, how about we make a commitment in 2022 that we're not going to cease praying, but we're also not going to cease to do the right thing. I'm going to tell you, it gets tough. There are people that call that I go, you know what, we try to do a lot in our community, but I don't even know if they even notice what we're doing. And as soon as those things come in my mind, you know what I realize? That's not why we're doing it. Like, we're not doing anything because we want to get noticed. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Because Scripture tells us that if I will not grow weary in doing good, that in due season you will reap good things. And then listen to this last part, because I think this is what applies to us. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity. Let us do good to everyone. And if you have a paper Bible, underline these words. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you know that a lot of times people go, well, you know, we got to be careful in how we do things. And you know, I don't want to be biased to, to the church. I don't want to be biased to people that, that go astray. I don't, you know what Scripture says? Be biased. Like, don't grow weary in doing good. But can I tell you for the next 21 days, make the people of faith a priority in what you're doing. 
Can I explain it a little bit differently? I know, you're freaking out. Bear with me, I know. It's a short message today because I'm going to do something. All y'all looking at your watches like, what is going on? He's done. What? Listen to me. We're getting ready to have a time of prayer. But I need you to catch this moment. I get so intrigued at how we pray for so many people in this world, especially people that don't have a relationship with the Lord or that are in some sort of need because they're not in a household of faith. Don't mishear me. We need to do that. But something I learned at a conference this past summer, and I was listening to this gentleman speak, and he was talking about the aspect of prayer. And he simply made this simple comment. He said, when you're praying for the lost, and please keep doing that, and when you're praying for the people that, that are visiting the church for the first time, and you need to keep doing that. But if I was Satan, and I'm going to go try to sift somebody. Am I going to try to sift the unfaithful or the faithful? Am I going to try to destroy a family that's living in godliness, trying to make a difference, or somebody that's not? Can I tell you confessions of the not so rich and not so famous, confessions of one simple pastor? I can get so caught up in praying for all the people that we're trying to reach that I forget about the most important people. It's you. The difference makers. The committed. The ones that are making an effort to be here. That are making an effort to get into God's word that are making an effort to be in 21 days of prayer, that are joining together and saying we're going to make a difference and be one community called Crossroads Community Church. And we're going to go out and partner with other churches and try to make a difference. And this pastor simply said this. He said, you are fooling yourself if you're not looking at the people making the biggest difference in your church and not pastoring them well first. This scripture is addressing that. He says, especially do good to those that are in the household of faith. It's not talking about leaving anybody out. It's not talking about neglecting those that don't have a relationship with the Lord yet. It's just letting you know that, you know what, as we get ready to pray, as we get ready to seek God's face, as I start thinking about 2022, I want you to know that, that in staff, we're not talking about all the people that aren't here yet. We're consumed with the ones that are. Like the healthiest thing that you can do for your church, for your family, for your community, is bring your best self first. And so that's the heartbeat of 21 days of prayer. I believe that if we are constantly, without ceasing, petitioning God with pure hearts and the right motives, that no, the clouds aren't going to break. There's not going to be this celestial lamp tomorrow morning. We're going to be like, oh, watch, Jesus is going to, I'm going to pray for my finances. And wow, I had a check for a million dollars. If it happens, we're going to give him the glory. But that's not why we do it. We do it 
Because we know if we're persistent and don't give up. Just like if we keep doing good and don't grow weary. That there's a universal law of the harvest. And it goes like this. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Do you like what's in your life right now? Are you good with where you are right now personally? Are you sad? Like, ooh, man, this is great. Like, my life is perfect. I have no struggles. I don't have any poor language. I don't have any sort of struggles with my relationships. Like, everybody loves me. Well, if that's you, will you please take the pastor to lunch? Because I need to be around you. Because I need some help. But maybe, just maybe, you're like a majority of us in the room. And you're better than you were. But there's still more to come. And you're ready to get there. Well, listen, don't, don't stop knocking. Don't stop going to the righteous judge. Don't stop petitioning God and praying. Don't stop doing good things. But instead, ramp it up. Like, get more committed. You see, Mickey, I, wow, I, like, that sounds so good, but man, if you knew my life, man, I, like, my life's different from your life. I only have 24 hours in my day. Like, you've got more time than I've got. Because all I get is 24 hours. Isn't it amazing how, how God levels the playing field? I don't, I don't think anybody in this room has a heart issue. Because I know most of you. But I think going into 2022, what we do have is a priority issue. I can prove it, and I want to be real careful because I'm not anti these things. But my kids will want something, and I'll rearrange the world to make sure they get it. I'll give up weekends so they can go be in a gym for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm not bitter, but hours. Like, it's amazing how quickly I can make things fit. Like, my schedule's so packed. And if it's 70 degrees tomorrow, and you got a tea time at Harrison Bay, and you got one more place, and you call me, my schedule is free. I thought you said your schedule was, it was. It was extremely packed until you called. Anybody ever had this happen? I was really bad about this as a teenager, and I've watched my children naturally do the same thing sometimes. They're hungry, and they go to their mom, and they say, what do you got for dinner? And she says something, and they go, oh, okay, what's your plans? Well, I'm going to go get something to eat. 
And the reality is, is they're, not, they're not really hungry. What they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out what their best option is. And they want to eat, but they just want it to be something that they want, not necessarily something that has substance to it. I think that's where most of us fit in our spiritual life. God, I want you to move in an amazing way in my life. I want you to do something so amazing that it transforms me and the people I'm around. Well, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray without ceasing. I want you to, to keep doing good. Well, can I pause button for a minute? Can I check what the other options are? Like if, if I can just get this sheet and, and like if I can just pray on my way to work, that's a whole lot better than getting up at 6 o'clock. Like if, if I, me joking around last week, if I can study the book of Romans in six weeks, that's a whole lot better than, you know, twice a week for, for four months. Listen, I, I, I want to do this very, very carefully, but I, I want to, like, I, I'm, I'm in a, a challenging moment. Not challenging like this is tough, but challenging like, like I want to pull you to something. I don't want to push you. If you push, you're in the wrong place of leadership. You're pushing people to something you're not at. I don't want to, I want to pull you to something. What would it look like if for 21 days, we say, God, I, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to give it a shot. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.